son histoire. Hello and welcome to the Alumni Lounge, the first ever Montreal Canadiens alumni podcast. I'm here in the lounge. That's code from a living room, but it is a sweet backdrop. And I mean that fire, I mean, that's on fire, isn't it, Patrice? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Joined by my friend and former Montreal Canadian, Patrice Brisebois. Patrice, welcome. Thank you for being a co-host in what, if we do it right, should be a very fun podcast. I'm sure it will be. And if we do it wrong, it still should be a very fun podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Alumni Lounge brought to you by Scotia Advice Plus. A simple conversation today can help you reach your goals tomorrow only from Scotiabank. Now, in just a few minutes, we will chat with former Habs defenseman Sheldon Surrey, find out what he's up to these days and reflect on his time with Montreal. But first, let's chat about what's going on with you. What are you up to these days and how are you staying sane in a time of COVID? Uh, I keep myself busy. Uh, I own a tire uh, mechanic garage here in Montreal. I have a real estate project in Montreal Blanc. Uh, you know what? That keep me busy too. And uh, you know what? Work out almost every day because I'm 50 years old. So <laughs> I want to keep the shape. But uh, to be honest with you, Chantal, I miss, I miss traveling. That's mm. for sure. What's the first place you're going to go to when the world opens up? Oh, uh, me and my girlfriend, we have a condo in Florida. We love, uh, it's, it's a beautiful place, but uh, I would love to, uh, to go back uh, in Italy, you know, wow. Capri or something like that. It's, it's so beautiful. That would be amazing. Bellissima. Yeah. That's all the Italian I know. Uh, yes. <laughs> what, yes. What's your uh, involvement with racing these days? You said something once that struck me and I, I, it stuck with me forever that when you are racing uh, and when you have cars, you have a team, but at the end of the day, you're alone in the car and you kind of liked that you're only depending on yourself. Such a shift from 18 seasons in the NHL, all those years being more of a spoke in the wheel. Yeah. You know what? Um, I love playing hockey, you know, it's a team sport and uh, you need everybody to win and everybody have to perform, but in racing, you know, racing is my uh, second passion. And what I like about racing is it's a team sport because you have your engineer, you have your mechanic guy, you have, you know, the guys taking care of the tires, uh, the gas, you know, you have a little bunch of, of guys, but when you're in the car, you're all by yourself. Mm. You know, all the decision, all, you know what, it, when are you breaking apex? So uh, is that time to pass the guy? Uh, if somebody is following you, you know, it's, it's all, uh, honestly, it's, it's, it's a great sport. It's a dangerous sport, an expensive sport. But you know what, Chantal, it's, I love, I love it. I love it. You can imagine. Now, reflecting back on your hockey career, you played in two different eras with the Canadians. What was it like to experience both? You know what? Uh, growing up uh, in Montreal, you know what? It was a dream for me to play for Montreal. And when I, I got drafted in 89, I was a dream come true. But, you know, just get drafted is the, it's the one step. Uh, it doesn't mean you're, you're going to make the team. But uh, I work hard and I work hard and um, follow my dream. And uh, finally, I, I make the team. And uh, it, was, it was special because uh, all those years to win, to see all those, those Stanley Cup in the 70s years. And, uh, you know, from little guy, little boy from Montreal, uh, you know, finally make it in the NHL was, uh, that was something special. When Bob Gainey brought you back to Montreal in 07, 08, uh, and you got that standing ovation at the Bell Center, it must have been magic. It was. <laughs> it was, Chantal, because, you know, the, the fir my first 14 years, you know, that I played with Montreal, uh, you know, the last, the last two, it was, was kind of hard. And, uh, you know, the fans was, was hard on me. And uh, so that's why I signed with the Avalanche. Uh, I have two, two beautiful years in, uh, with the Avalanche. But I came uh, free agent. And uh, it was funny because uh, Bob, Bob Guinea called my agent, Donnie. And, and uh, so Donnie called me. He says, oh, uh, I think you're going to be happy. I'm like, why? He says, I just spoke with Bob, uh, Bob Guinea and uh, he wants you back. I'm like, what? Bob wants me back. And... I'm honest with you, Chantal. I, I didn't, 
I didn't hesitate or something like that. I said, okay, good. I'm coming back. I didn't <laughs> care about the money. I didn't care about anything. And a lot of people, they're asking me, I said, why did you come back? With all happened, you know, to you. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, because I should never leave Montreal. Because I want to, I want to play all my career in Montreal. That was right. something for me. I was a goal, like Jean Bilevo, Henri Richard, uh, Bob Gein, all those guys. You know, that's for me. There was, they were my idol, and I want to do the, the same thing. You know, it didn't happen, but that's why I came back. And and that night, I didn't know how the defense is going to react. Are they, yeah. They're going to still booing me, or they're going to yeah. say, you know what, it's back. Uh, and uh, that standing ovation, and you know, I'm, I'm thinking about that, and I got sure it's it's you know I was I was so happy. I said, all right, I make I made the right the right decision to come back. You played with a few guys that went on to become coaches, including Guy Carboneau, who was the head coach on your second stint. Was that weird? Like, what, how does the relationship change when a guy goes from being your buddy to your boss, or is he like, no, no, everyone else, I'm their boss, but you, we're just we're just friends. Yeah, but you know, I, I always respect Carbo. You know what? Carbo was my first roommate. Romade oh. at 19 years old when I was junior with Drummondville at Montreal Canadian called me back and uh, my first roommate was Carbo. So always respect Carbo was my captain. He was the leader of that team uh, with, with Patrick and, you know, so, so many guys. And, uh, and it's, it's kind of funny, you know, and he was the teammates, he was a friend and now he's your coach, but Again, it's, you know, it was the coach and we had a good communication and, uh, you know, he believed in me. He, he knew I can do the job and, you know, if, if I want to play, I have to prove him, you know, I deserve my ice time. And uh, it was, uh, it was great. You know, I really, really enjoy playing for Carbo. That's so funny that you're roommates together. You really learn something, you know, about a guy when you're roommates. Is there something that, you know, you can share with us about being his roommates? Did he always leave his towels on the floor or did he pizza boxes? <laughs> Carbo was a man uh, with, uh, I would say that, uh, you know, he was not talking much. Yeah. So uh, I was, it was more like, you know, I just listen and look. And you know what, that's, that's you, you, you're going to learn a lot. And mm -hmm. even Carbone in, in the dressing room, I was not that kind of guy, you know, the big speech and stuff like that. But every time he was jumping on the ice, you know what, he was give everything, blocking shot. He was doing everything um, to make that uh, his team win. And and that's that's how you learn. You know what, just, just listen. And uh, that's, you, you learn a lot. Mm -hmm. And finally, one thing that we don't know about Patrice Brisebois, I would like to know one fact to every, every podcast, just a fun thing. Uh, I don't know. That we, that we <laughs> might not know, something that maybe people don't know about you. Okay, um, I'm doing TikTok with my girlfriend. You're on TikTok? Which, More of my girlfriend, girlfriend TikTok. Really? <laughs> Oh yeah. What do you do? Do you do the dances? Oh yeah. No, you don't. Oh yeah. Oh my God. We're going to have to play one of these dancing TikToks. Pretty good. I have to be <laughs> okay. honest. We're pretty good, man. My girlfriend. Uh, Patrice, always fun <laughs> having a chat. <laughs> we will start off every podcast getting to know fun facts about you. We'll hear some stories. You're such a good storyteller. So if fans have any questions, send them my way for next time. Introducing Advice Plus. A new way to create a plan, together, that keeps you heading in the right direction. We start by getting to know you better. Then, we'll work together to build a plan that grows with you, adding personalized products and solutions along the way that can help you reach your goals tomorrow. We get to know you better to guide you better. Today and tomorrow, Advice Plus, only from Scotiabank. And now I'd like to welcome another guy who is very popular on the ice in the locker room and for any media looking for a great soundbite. Also, not terrible to look at. Just putting it out there. Uh, Patrice, you handsome too. Just, just are you are dude. you talking about me? Just handsome dudes all over this podcast. Sheldon, welcome and thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> 14 seasons in the NHL, six of those with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, you were a huge hit. All over the place. What are you up to in post-retirement days? 
Well, now I'm living in, it seems like so long ago since I retired. It's only been, uh, I don't know, maybe seven years, but um, I'm in Las Vegas. I, I bought a vacation home in 2010 or 2011 in Idaho. And uh, actually Wayne Gretzky told me to go up there and I'm like, Idaho is way too close to Edmonton. Uh, so it took me a couple of years to get up there, but now that's where I spend my summers, but on a golf course. Um, and the same development had opened a, uh, golf course here in Las Vegas. So I'm, you know, an ambassador for them. I play some golf and have fun. It's a good life. Yeah. Sound, yeah. I was going to say, sounds like a good life. When I, uh, when I signed in Edmonton after I left Montreal, um, Gretzky had told me, you know, you should go check out this place. And like I said, I, I was living in Malibu at the time in the summers. I wasn't looking for, to move to Idaho. I thought it was way too close to Canada. Um, and it ended up being like the nicest place I've ever been. It's, I guess it'd be like Mount Tremblant where a lot of the guys come back and live on lakes back in, in Quebec. And um, it's just beautiful. It's easy living. It reminds me of Canada, but it's not, it's not quite, you know, in Canada. So, um, so I love it. That's, that's like home for me now. Love it. Well, Sheldon, you said it's all, already seven years you're retired. Yeah. Seven or eight years. Mm. Uh, okay. Are you missing the game? I do not. I do, do not. not. I don't know. Um, okay. You know, man, I, I had a lot of injuries, yeah. you know, and I, I had an experience in Edmonton, which showed me the, the business side of things. And, you know, when I had a couple more years left on my contract, when I got hurt and I'm not even sure if I would have been able to, to, to play those years, you know, my body was just starting to slow down and uh, I couldn't afford to be any slower. <laughs> and so uh, it just the game was the game was changing so, so quickly. And, um, you know, I was just I was on my last uh, last lifeline. And, you know, I was happy with with what I had. I think Freezer, we talked a little bit yesterday. I'm super grateful yeah. for for the career I had and to be able to play in some of the places I did and meet the people I've met um, that when I retired, it was, you know, it's just something you kind of accept and you kind of move on. So that's kind of what I've done. Funny okay. because Patrice, you were, you were mentioning to me uh, earlier that you actually feel the opposite. Like it wasn't time to be done. You could have kept going. Yeah, because uh, you know, I'm like Sheldon. I, I have a lot of injuries, uh, two back surgery, abdomen, uh, both shoulders, and, but my back. Uh, and uh, you know what? The last year I, I played it, you know, I had a great season. To be honest with you, I uh, I didn't feel I, I lost the the step. You know, like Sheldon just said, you know, the game was fast, and I was a I was a good skater, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, we lost in four games against Boston, and uh, you know, the GM called me and says, you know, what, we're not gonna uh, we're not gonna sign a, a new contract with you. I'm like, oh no, because I really want to play another year, and another year with Montreal. For me, it was very, very important to finish my career with Montreal. So Donnie Meehan says, you know what, Breezer? Don't worry. I'm going to find you another team because you know what? You're still a good player. You're a veteran. Yeah, you got experience. And, um, you know, I had offered in, in Vancouver, Carolina, New York Islanders. And after that, I'm like, do you really want to go there for one year? And I, I want to retire as, as a Montreal Canadian. But in my back head, you know, I want to play another year, mm -hmm. but I retired and you know what? It, it seemed like I was missing something. Like I didn't uh, uh, take, uh, you know, the decision on my own. You know, sometimes if you, it's like, uh, okay, uh, I got to retire, but it's sad, but it's okay. Like, like, like Sheldon, you know, what? I'm, I'm, I'm so happy what I, uh, I did 18 years, uh, more in thousand game, uh, Stanley Cup. So I'm very pleased with what I, what I, what I did. Yeah, exactly. Perspective is, is key, right? And, yeah. and looking back and reflecting back on your career, Sheldon, third round pick by the Devils in the 94 draft. Then you had that epic slap shot, arrived in Montreal via trade in 2000, New Jersey's loss, uh, our gain. Do you remember what it was like to be traded? Like as a Canadian, were you excited to play in Montreal or were you nervous because the poutine here is so damn good and you knew it would make it harder to stick to the diet? Uh, yeah, I knew I was going to gain a few pounds and, uh, <laughs> and that was okay. You know, it's so funny when I got traded, um, 
Rajon, who was the GM, and uh, he said uh, there was a makeup game that Montreal was making up against Boston the next night. I don't know if you remember that, Freezer, but yeah. uh, you guys got it got canceled, ice storm or something. Anyways, there was a makeup game. I got traded. We were in Colorado, and uh, you know, I talked to Rajon Hool, and he said, "Hey, we're going to get you on a flight tonight, a red eye, and uh, you're going to meet the team tomorrow morning. There's no skate for the team, but you'll meet him at the rink and play tomorrow night." And I said, "Great." He said, because I heard you don't sleep much anyways. And I'm like, oh, this is great. He's already, he's already <laughs> read the book on me. So, so uh, I, I, I do, I remember it vividly, you know, I, like I grew up in Edmonton and the Montreal, it was either you're an Oilers fan or you were a, a Montreal Canadian fan. There was no, maybe everyone hated the flames. So they weren't really in the, in the picture. Um, and I grew up, my family were all Oilers fans, but I grew up in a, close to a town that is uh, very heavy in French immersion. I was in French and junior high and, and stuff like that. So there was a lot of Montreal Canadiens fans around us. And I remember how good they were. I remember how much I loved the jerseys on Hockey Night in Canada. It was just, there was something super prestigious about the Montreal Canadiens. And when I got traded there, I was like, wow, this is, this is it. I mean, this, you, you can't, I don't think you could play for a better team. Um, in your hockey career. So let's, you know, let's see how it goes. And man, I, it was for sure is my favorite place to play. Um, some great memories of, of teammates, uh, coaches, you know, Saku's coming back from like just a, just so many memories wrapped up in there and, and still friends that I talk to to this day, you know, it went, I guess my time there went deeper than just, uh, on, on the ice stuff. Who helped ease you into the dressing room when you got there? Was there any guy in particular that kind of said, like, took you under his wing? Uh, I think Sack and, and Craig Revey were two of the first guys. And Eric Weinrich, Scott Lachance, Trevor Linden, Breezer. We, we had, like, a really good group of guys. The team, you know, we, we just missed the playoffs that year. and um, But we had a lot of, like, older character veteran guys. And so the transition was easy because that's what I was coming from in New Jersey with Stevens and Brodeur and Niedermeyer and, and a bunch of Hall of Famers. It was it was like a really soft landing coming to Montreal. I, I couldn't believe how – I thought I'd have a, a tough time with the French, and not at all. I mean, the guys were super helpful on the team. The organization was super helpful. And people around town, they, you know, you played for the Montreal Canadiens. They didn't care if you are French or English. Just, just play good. How is your French? It's rusty now. <laughs> <laughs> it's rusty. I'm sure you know a few words. The good one. Uh, the I good said ones. my friend. My French always got better after like 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> uh, career high: 26 goals in 0607, 19 on the power play. The slap shots. Let's talk about the slap shot. One of the hardest in the league. If you valued your teeth, your bones, you wouldn't try to block it. A lot of people didn't. When you were a kid, did you just know that you were so much stronger than the other kids? And you're like, hey, I can shoot harder than these guys. Or when did you kind of realize, like, I've got something special? Yeah, I, I don't think it's like knowing that you're stronger than other kids. I think, um, you know, growing up, I, I, I knew what kind of body I had. I knew what my work ethic was. I knew what my want level was. Um, and, and so like, there's some things that are pretty easy to do. Breezer was an awesome skater, That that's not my strength, but I could stand there and hammer a puck. Um, I could stand up for my teammates. I could, uh, be a good guy in the dressing room. Like just, there was things that came easier for me than, than the skill part of it. And, um, you know, once I got to, I'd always had, a, I guess, kind of a heavy shot through juniors and stuff. And once I got to the NHL and I was in a system with New Jersey that I wasn't going to play the power play. I mean, it just, it just wasn't, that's not the player they were looking for. But Jacques Lemaire, he, he had a really good game. I'll never forget. I had a really good game one night against the Rangers and we played him back to back and he sat me out the next day. I thought he was calling me in his office in the morning to tell me how good I played, you know, get a pat on the back. And he said, Hey, you're not playing tonight. And I'm like, what? He said, you can do more. You have, you have more to give. You have more skills. And we don't need you just to be standing in front of the net and cross-checking guys to the ice. He goes, you have to do more. And I want you to think about that. And, and that really changed like my whole perspective of things. It's like, okay, I, I do have more to give. I was enjoying being in the NHL. As Breezer knows a lot of guys in Montreal know. 
it, it's a great lifestyle and people treat you great. And, and I love that, at, you know, at the beginning, but then there's a, there's a point where it's like, all right, this is your, you're getting paid for this. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have to make, make some changes in your life and some priorities. And I got an opportunity in Montreal to a lot of guys got hurt. Breezer got hurt. Breezer was probably the reason why I got a chance on the par play. I remember I was sitting in the press box one night. Sheldon, I have a good story for you. Tell me. You know what? I, um, I don't know if you know about that. Um, you know, we were playing on the power play together because, you know what? I went to see Claude Julien and tell him, you know what? Put Sheldon with me. What is shot? I'm going to feed him. And you know what? You'll see. People are going to get right. scared. People, you know, he's got so uh, your show was unavailable, unavailable. And I said, you know what? Give it, give him a chance. You know, yeah. one, two, three games, and we see after. We have nothing to lose. We have no, yeah. nobody else anyway. Yeah. And Claude right. Julien says, you know what, Reserve, you're right. You're right. So you start playing on the power play, and you know what? That's what you did. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you, you think that about Jacques Lemaire because you know what? He, he, If, if, if somebody knows about hockey, it's Jacques Lemaire. Yeah, exactly. And you see the potential with you. And I see it too. And, uh, you know, and after that, you just you, you fly yeah. and score goals. And even, you know what, Chantal? Even in the practice, we're practicing the power play. And even on our own teammates, they were afraid. <laughs> Because Sheldon was not shooting just to shoot the puck. He was shooting to score. And he yeah. was shooting high. So the guy said, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to go in front of that. That guy's crazy. He's going to hurt me. He's going to, uh, he doesn't know where, where to shoot or That's right. just blast the puck. And you wouldn't lay yeah. off at practice on the poor guys. Well, here's, here's what I was told. And that's a good story, <laughs> Beezer. Thank you for yeah. that. Uh, yeah. So I owed all the, uh, I'll, you know, I'll send you checks in the mail. <laughs> But I, I remember I was hurt and I was sitting in the press box and uh, there was a couple of scouts. I don't even think they knew who I was. And they said, um, you know what Montreal really needs? They need like a, a tough defenseman who can shoot the puck. And I'm sitting beside him and I'm like, wow, like I can be, I was hurt. I broke my hand, my wrist. And I was like, well, you know, I, I think those are two things that I can do. I, you know, I can't, I can't be Breezer and I can't be Andre Markov. But one thing I can do is when I come back, um, just make a, a commitment to, to trying to be better and helping out. And like Breezer said, whoever gave me the opportunity, it kind of fell out of nowhere. A couple of guys got hurt. And, um, and, and yeah, and I was told that the reason why I did that in practice and played is that the, the coaches we had from Claude to Mike Terry, and they're like, you practice how you play. So, yeah. you know, uh, if you hit guys, that's your fault. But if they're standing in front of the net blocking the goal, you're not shooting to hit guys. I was shooting to, to miss them. And, uh, man, I, Breezer, you know, I had two or three times, you know, Sack was one of them. I think Kobe, Kovalev is one of them right. come swinging their sticks at me in practice. Like, you know, they were, like, <laughs> yeah. they were a little mad and, and they, they should have been because we weren't trying to hurt anyone out there, but we had, we were told to practice how we played. So, um, yeah. so, so that, that was a part, I think of the success is we weren't just fooling around in practice, like, you know, making feather passes and we, we were, we were working hard on, on being good at the power play. Wow. Great story. Um, some of your favorite memories from being in Montreal, you touched on, on Saku Koivu, you know, when he returned from having cancer in 2002, you were, you guys were both there for that. I'd love to hear your experience of, of that and then just other other favorite memories oh man um i think the saku coming back from cancer has got to be the the most um memorable i think because it wasn't it was most exactly not because it was like it was just it was super heavy you know it was super like wow this is a, a, a lifetime this is like a life experience it's not hockey where someone scores their first goal or uh you know something like that it was like because you remember breezer at christmas he, he was in our he was in our dressing room and yeah. he had gloves on and a toque on and a scarf on and he couldn't shake guys hands oh. you know he's 160 pounds maybe and it was like wow this is and i was hurt at the same time and, and so we were rehabbing together and yeah. uh i just remember thinking dude if this guy's if this guy's coming back to play hockey which he was, that's, was the goal because he came back right before playoffs, then I have no excuses. And so it was a huge motivating thing. So that, I think that's got to be the, 
the biggest thing. I think, uh, you know, getting named to an all-star team, wearing a Mont- representing the Montreal Canadiens was a, a huge honor for me. Um, I think uh, meet some of the, uh, the pregame alumni stuff, meeting Jean Beliveau and the pocket rocket, like that's not everyone gets to do that. That's huge. Um, so all that, all those things made me feel like this was a really prestigious honor that I had, uh, representing the Montreal Canadiens. And it, it was, there's so many, right. But th- those things made me feel like I had to be, you know, accountable to myself and, and to my team and to the city, because ultimately the fans there will either, you know, lift you up or they'll make you want to leave town. So, um, <laughs> question for you, Sheldon. What did you miss the most about Montreal? Um, you can't see the bar. I, the, the bar for sure. <laughs> no, the, uh, I think probably the beginning of the month, in the middle of the month, paydays, paychecks. <laughs> yeah. Those, those, those are, uh, you know, those were special. Man, you know, what do I miss? Uh, the hockey, if you go anywhere, Breeze, you played in other places. If you go yeah. anywhere and play, hockey's still the same. You still get dressed the same way. You still, you know, uh, your coaches are all kind of the same. But when you get away from the rink in Montreal, people, whether it's, you know, walking down St. Catherine to get a coffee yeah. or going to a, a movie or going to eat with your family or friends, people are treating you like, Like you're important. And I love that. I, I also, I love the, the pressure that came with, that. I love the high of it. And I also, I also knew well enough that if we weren't playing well, you, you don't do any of that stuff. You, you, you try to get yourself back to, yeah. you know, an accept, acceptable level. Um, so I, I miss, I guess the, the pressure, but in a good way, I don't know if that makes sense, but I miss the, uh, like that got my juices for, I love that. Introducing Advice Plus, a new way to create a plan together that keeps you heading in the right direction. We start by getting to know you better. Then we'll work together to build a plan that grows with you, adding personalized products and solutions along the way that can help you reach your goals tomorrow. We get to know you better to guide you better. Today and tomorrow, Advice Plus, only from Scotiabank. Montreal was interesting for me because I don't think there was any other time in my career where I had so many different things going on in my personal life. And whether it was a Saputo's or, or whether it was the organization or Bob Gainey, like it, it, right. the support that, that I got as a human being there and not, not a Montreal Canadian, uh, but actually a, a, a human being going through human things. Um, I, I don't, I don't know how that would have looked anywhere else. I, I don't know without that support, if that, you know, mm. if that would have broke me because, you know, there's some, some things that there's a human element to things. We look at mm. sports people or celebrities like, you know, Oh, wow. What a life. They got no problems because they got money and, and we forget that there's a human element to it. So I, I was really supported in Montreal. Yeah. Talk about your experience transitioning into retirement. What do you, what do you wish you would have known before hanging up your skates that maybe would have made that adjustment a little easier? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I've had an interesting few years in retirement. I, you know, went out with an injury. I was still getting paid for two years on a contract. I thought, uh, and Breezer, I know you can relate to this. You think you're going to love retirement. You think that having all this time on your hands mm-hmm. is, is going to be so satisfying, yeah. but there's no, it was, I was just lost for a couple of years and, you know, a slippery slopes of injuries and, and feeling sorry for myself and feeling entitled. Um, you know, I got into taking pills. Uh, I got into, um, disconnecting from people and just kind of not, not being myself. That was like two or three years of it. And, you know, I went and got some help for that. And I've been sober for almost three and a half years. And yeah, thanks, man. It's, it's a, it's been a wild ride. So um, again, I've had, there's a lot of relationships I've made during hockey um, that have helped me now to, you know, to play golf and get a paycheck for it. I mean, that's, you know, that's just not, real world uh stuff and i'm super super grateful for 
I guess the path that I've been on. So what would I, what would I, uh, what did I wish I would have known? Yeah. I wish that I would have been, um, I wish that I would have had more of a plan Mm. going into retirement. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, it seems like such a double-edged sword because while you're playing, you're getting paid to play. That's the sport that you love. You don't want to think about anything else. And probably you're discouraged from, you know, if you have other things on the go, people are saying, oh, he's not, you know, hundred percent in the game, but at the same time, you have to have things on the go. Otherwise it's, you know, D-Day and suddenly what am I going to do next? Totally. You're totally right. Yep. Some guys, you know what, after they retired, they, they stay in hockey. Mm-hmm. That's okay because that's the thing we know. That's mm-hmm. that's the thing we know best. You know, coaching staff, uh, scout. Uh, you know what? So, so many things you can do, but doing something else. You know what, guys? I have a real estate project in Trauma. Okay, it's it's hard. It's hard. You know, I invest a lot of money. I know it's real estate. It's 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 well money play place, but you know what? It's hard because everybody wants a little piece of you. Mm-hmm. everybody but if you don't know what you're talking about it's so easy to get you know get screwed and get like sure so yeah you, you, you need good friends you need people they know and uh sometimes hockey players that's what happened they they think because sometimes you have money you can do anything right but it's mm-hmm. not the case yeah i'm sure yeah, I'm sure you get so many people coming up to you, you know, while you're playing at least saying like, here's an opportunity. How do you know what's a good one? Like, do you get somebody that you trust? Do you just kind of go with your gut? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about Breezer. I can't speak to Breezer. There are some people who, you know, you do have people around you who are saying like, that's, you know, that's a stupid idea to invest <laughs> in your best friend's bar back in Edmonton. That's not a great idea. Yeah. Um, and then there's some that are like, yeah, maybe getting that real estate in Tromblon will, will pay off. Look, I, I, I'm a I, I'm a really simple kid from from northern Alberta. I didn't, you know, grow up uh, with. A, I didn't go to college. I junior to pro. Um, I, my first paycheck, I thought it was an error, you know. And I'm talking <laughs> like like the my minor league paycheck, you know. Getting five thousand dollars every two weeks to me was like that. That's crazy. So I didn't grow up with any of that. So. Uh, Along the way, you know, really what changed my life, to be honest with you, financially and set me up for for my uh, future was Doug Gilmore introduced me to a guy in uh, Winnipeg. And he said, hey, dude, you know, you're making whatever, 500, but you're spending 700. So this Mm -hmm. guy here is going to help you out. And he did. The rest of my career, that guy helped me out. And he made sure that, you know, I saved for a rainy day, that this wasn't going to be forever. Although, Breezer, I don't know if you felt like it, but when I played, I, I thought it was just going to last forever. Yeah. You know, these paychecks were just going to last forever. And then when it's over, they just stop. And you're like, whoa, what? Wait a minute. I got all these, you know, things on the go. And now I'm not getting paid, in, you know, anymore. So I think yeah. guys are underprepared and, and uh, just undereducated. And, you know, you, you just... You have to be simple. And so for me, I just had to be simple and smart and, you know, so oxymoron a little bit for me, uh, <laughs> smart and simple, but it's, it, it's, it's really true. It's like something that, uh, if I didn't have good people in my life and again, left to my own devices, uh, you know, who knows where I'd be right now. We mentioned being clean now for three years. Was that, you know, were the painkillers and the kind of boredom and the lack of, you know, what you were going to do next? Did that all kind of play in? And I get, and then you lost your dad. Was that all kind mm-hmm. of like hit kind of a, a peak? Exactly. It was all, uh, first thing is not having a purpose. It's not that I, uh, I didn't feel like I needed to be identified as an NHL player by my career. That, that wasn't like a, um, that wasn't a thing for me. What was, hard though was now you have no purpose like like i said when when your career ends it's like oh man you know oh great i don't have to go to practice my coaches don't have to see my face today Uh, you know i don't have to go to meetings i don't have to get on a bus i don't have so again i thought all this freedom was was great and uh and then I, i had an excuse for it i had a lot of injuries and then I felt a little entitled to it. Hey, I've, you know, I've worked hard, you know, no one's going to tell me what to do. 
And, and then I lost my dad. I was in a, a, a relationship I wasn't happy in. There was a, a bunch of things. Mm. Um, and it, it just, it, it just, there's no way you could have ever sustained it. I'm glad I'm here talking to you guys today for sure. Um, some guys aren't as lucky. Some guys don't get the help. You know, the NHLPA really helped me out, the, the, the Players Association. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't want such a rough experience, but, but I'm glad I had the experience to know, like, that's okay. That's done. Now, what do we, now, how do we, you know, live the next 40 years? And what made you finally say, okay, it's time. I was just going to die. I just felt like, like, that's, that's the point I got to was like, this is, I don't think I can go another day you know, and it's hard. I mean, I guess asking for help was not ever my strong part. It wasn't like my strong suit. I always wanted to take care of guys and Hey man, you know, toughen up and put a smile on your face. And, and that, that's kind of how I was raised too. You're, you're going to cry. I'll give you something to cry about. So I was always carrying around this, like, um, you know, anyways, asking for help was not my, was not something that was easy for me. But uh, I'm glad I was smart enough to know that, you know, if I didn't, then, it, you know, things would have, I, a lot of things I was thinking too, like I got kids, like my kids are the most important thing in the world to me. Um, my mom, uh, you know, even though I lost my dad, I had a mom who was living and, and my kids count on me. And it, it was just a thought that like, wow, if I left and, and my kids had to go to school one day and explain that they didn't have their, or my mom. Mm-hmm. that would have been the most horrible thing I could have ever done, especially after being blessed with such a great life. Um, so I, I have a lot of gratitude for, for where I am today. And, and some of those experiences, I wish, again, I didn't have, they didn't have to be so hard. I, I like to, I learned to, I like to learn hard lessons, you know, not just like a slap on the wrist. I like, you know, a good, a good spanking, but, uh, but here we are. Well, you know what, Sheldon, I'm, I'm very proud of you. Because it's not easy to talk about that. You know, we, we, we proud, you know, guy, you're, you know, 6'4", 230, you're a tough guy, you were fighting this and that. And, and to talk about that, take a man. And I'm, I'm very, very, very proud of you. Um, it's because you know what? I've maybe not that hard like you, but I have very, very some difficulty too. And you mentioned one thing, I have two girls too. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. I can't, you know, mm-hmm. I, because you, you, after your career, you came, I was so lost. Like, mm-hmm. you know, my, my, my marriage was going down, uh, no work. I uh, feel like friends yeah. are, I don't know. Yeah. So many things like that. And like, totally. oh boy, but you know what? You need you need to be strong and you need and if you need help that's you know what that in your head say i need help mm. it's not everybody they can you know what, take the phone and say i need help and uh, you did it and uh I'm, I'm very 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 proud of you sheldon wow well th- thanks Bruce. i appreciate that uh you know it's if if people don't see an example of, you know, uh, being able to ask for help and not feel like you're less than or going to be made fun of, or again, toughen up, um, maybe it helped, you know, I did a, when I was nine months sober, I did a, uh, an article with Stu Cowan and, um, in Montreal. And I, I really didn't want to tell the story because I felt like I didn't have enough sobriety under my belt. But I'm like, oh, you know, I'll do it. And I, I was told that maybe your story will help someone. And I can't believe, uh, I'll tell you, I had probably 50 to 100 messages on my social media, you know, saying, wow, thank you for, like, that's my story. Thank you for telling it. Yeah. And, um, and that's kind of how I, I got, I seen other guys. I'm like, oh man, like, you know, one of my best friends is Brent Myers just came out with a book and he's been sober for 13 years. And, and I'm like, man, that guy did it. Like, like that guy to me was a, a giant and, um, 
And so, hey, look, if it helps someone, I'm just one of the lucky guys who's here to thank you guys for talking about it. I know it's, you know, probably different, different than hockey, but, um, you know, it's a part of my story. Maybe it'll help someone who's listening. Exactly. I get shivers just hearing it. So I'm sure other people will too, you know, and if it helps one person, yeah. then great. That's right. uh, now on a, a happy note, did I hear you're getting married? <laughs> I am. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. So we've all been divorced on this podcast. I think some of us <laughs> yes. are doing it again. Uh, yes. <laughs> any, uh, any relationship advice you'd give to some of the, uh, some of the young guys? Oh yeah. For me, for me, <laughs> relationship advice. Yeah. yeah why not? Uh, I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a pass on that one, but <laughs> man, it, it's funny. I don't know if you guys are, are the same. You, you think you want something, you think, you know, what your life's going to look like or, or what the, you know, perfect thing is. And I just had my sights off a little bit and I just hadn't met the person that was for me. And, um, again, I, I don't, I don't look back on it. You know, I, I got two amazing kids from my divorce. Uh, my other relationship was a reality TV thing where we never got married. A lot of people don't know that they, they think I've been married two or three times. And, um, I just, I just had my, my compass was just off a little bit, you know, and sometimes things don't work out and that's okay. You know, that's okay. Um, again, I'm here today. My fiance is sober. Um, it's, it's an easy life. It's a simple life and, uh, and it's a good life. And you're very proud of your Métis heritage as well. Yeah. From what I understand, how would you encourage more young Métis kids to get into the game? Oh man, you know, I would, it, it's like all these cliche, I feel like I'm so old now, you know, all these cliches, <laughs> like stay in, stay in school and, yeah. and work hard and all the things I'm like, believe oh in yourself, shoot, believe in yourself and, yeah. you know, have no, fun. All, it's like, they're all true, you know, yeah. it's, yeah. that's it. It's, it's not any more complicated than that. Work hard, have fun, listen, and, um, and good things will happen. Like, it's just, it's really that simple. You know, I was really lucky because my mom's side of the family growing up uh, in, in a Métis settlement, um, they were all super encouraging. You know, I don't, not one of them would say that they thought I was going to make the NHL, but they all made me believe that. So, uh, you know, I'm super lucky that uh, they had a really encouraging family and supported me and, and look, I got to, I got to share this life with them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, they, I know my family and my uncles and my kids, they're all proud of my kids. Not so much. They don't, you know, they don't care at all about the, the hockey part of it, but um, you know, it's a, it's a blessing. I, I really, uh, I'm, and I said it to Breezer yesterday, we talked for a minute and I, I really do live in a lot of gratitude for, for a lot of uh, my life and, and for sure my hockey career. I mean, how, blessed are we breezer to play 10 plus years in the best league in the world and madison square garden and staples i mean there's just like it's almost unbelievable for a kid like me from where i came from but the proof is that it's that's it you just it's it's super believable right because i lived it sheldon best player you play with and against Best player, I, I would have to say skill-wise, yeah. Kovalev. Kovalev. Yeah, yeah he, I mean. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't even know if there's anybody who was actually close to him. I played with Timu and Scotty Steven, Marty Brodeur. But yeah. uh, Kovi was some, he was just on another level of talent from what I seen that like, I didn't even like going against my practice. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> well, they didn't like going against you either. <laughs> oh, no, he, I think he did in practice. He just went, he just went, he just but took a was, little wide, wide route. Yeah. But Sheldon, that was my goal. You know what? Every practice I want to go against Kovi yeah. because if I stop Kovi, I can stop anybody else. That was my, you know, my, you know what? My approach that was like that. I, I played with you for a while. Practice, want to, Play against the best. The best, I know. you know, our best player, let's go. I played with you. I, I was your partner for a while, and you'd always say, yeah. we're up. And I'm like, oh, can't we just go against, <laughs> you know, can't we just go against Ojik and, and Steve Beijing? <laughs> but, uh, 
No, yeah. you're, you're right, man. That's how, again, it goes back to like your practice habits. So we did, you know, look, I, I wish we had more success in Montreal as far as playoffs and, and whatever yeah. we didn't. And that's like a big regret in my career is that we weren't better and we didn't, didn't go further. Yeah. But man, I took some lessons from some of our coaches, right? Like Bob Gainey and uh, Claude Julian, Jacques Lemaire, Larry Robinson, all guys who I respect the most, who've given me the most in my career are all tied to the Montreal Canadiens. Larry and Jacques, before I even got to Montreal, they were my best coaches, you know, and then I had Claude. And so we learned well, a lot of Who was your best habits. coach? Jacques Lemaire. Why? Yeah. Uh, because it was black or it was white. There was no head games. There was no guessing what, uh, where you stood. You knew he was very, I wouldn't say a master communicator, but he, you knew where you stood and you were in, you were out, but he was always, he, he had a real way of giving you the nut, like the backhanded kind of compliment, like little nudge, like, Hey, you're not playing tonight. because because you're not giving us enough. You have more to give stuff like that. Not like, you played terrible last night and, and we're going to give this other guy a chance. So stuff like that was, and Claude, much the same way. Bob Ganey, much the same way. Carbo was a lot like that too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, good, uh, good guys, good, good coaches. Now, Scotiabank's one of the main sponsors of the Alumni Lounge. So it's fitting we talk about money. Uh, when you signed your first contract, what was your first big purchase? Um, my first big purchase was a Jeep. Yeah. And Both of you, two I, Jeep guys. Same thing. I, yeah. I bought a Jeep. I signed my contract in 1994 after training camp. So there was a lockout that year, Breeze. Remember, there was yep. a half a season. And I, I, so I stayed with the Devils right up until the lockout happened. I signed a contract. I went back to the juniors. Like I told you, I, I didn't have two nickels to rub together when I was a kid. So I get my signing bonus. I'm like, I called my agent at the time and I said, I, I, I think they got this wrong. Like, I think, and he's like, no, that's, you know. And so I'm like, wow, this is unreal. So I went to this Jeep dealership. I was 18 years old and it was in uh, Tri-Cities in Washington state. And I walked in and I was looking at this one Jeep on the showroom floor and a guy comes over and he says, uh, he says, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I want to buy this Jeep right here. He said, uh, no, this is the top of the line, you know, whatever, <laughs> Renegade Sahara edition. He goes, we have some other ones over here. I go, I want this one. And uh, he goes, okay. So the manager comes over and he says, can I help you? And I said, hey, I want to buy this thing. He says, it's sticker price, whatever it was, 30 grand or 35,000. I said, oh yeah. So I looked at the number and I said, okay. So I went to the bank and uh, I said, hey, I need, I need $35,000. This is 94 and 18 years old. And this lady looked and she was, well, we don't have like $35,000 here. Come back on Wednesday or Thursday. So I go back anyways. And I walked back into that dealership and I had a brown paper bag with 35 grand on it. In it. And, <laughs> and I, the true, true story, I walk in and I put it on. I go, hey, is that, you know, the manager Warren or whatever here? Yeah, he's over there. So I walked in and I put this paper bag on his desk and I said, there you go. There's 35 grand cash I'm taking that cheap. He goes, uh, it's about 38 grand because the taxes. Oh, like, no. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. I had no idea. I, I had no idea about finances. I said, I'll be back in two hours. I had to go back and get some more money for the taxes. It's such an idiot. <laughs> same, same, you know, I have the same story. Got yeah. my signing bonus, 50 grand. I went to buy a Jeep and my 18 years old and I have a brand new car. My yeah. dad worked all his life, never right. had a brand new car in his life. But a few years after, that's I right. make a little bit more money. I bought a brand new, uh, brand new car to my dad. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Exactly. I paid my parents' bills and I bought a Jeep. And that about took care of that signing bonus. <laughs> if, you had to, if you have to give advice to some of these you know, young kids signing their first big contract and making millions. You have to get a someone to help you manage your money, uh, you know, and probably not your dad or someone that, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you, you need, you need like sound financial advice. Uh, probably when Breezer and I were coming up, it was a little harder to, like everyone was an investment guy, but harder to find probably someone that you could really, you know, try nowadays. I think you can, you can pretty much count on your agent knowing two or three guys that, uh, 
that would gladly help you out, help you preserve some of that. Because like I said earlier, it, you know, it ends and a lot of guys are just caught standing there going, wow, now what? And, uh, and that's probably a pretty scary and dangerous position to be in. Mm. Yeah. Um, now I'm a huge country music fan. I understand that you have some ties to country music somehow. Is that right? You have like mm. Dirks Bentley's guitar. Is that right? I do. Dirks is a, a, a good buddy of mine. Yeah. Tell me everything. <laughs> Man, what a, they say, don't meet your heroes. And uh, that's not necessarily true because a lot of the guys I've met in hockey were awesome. And this guy is, uh, he's a huge hockey fan. I actually met him. Um, I was at the country music awards and I, I had another friend that I was, uh, was a country guy and he invited me to this party and Dirks was there and Dirks came up to me and he said, Hey man, you know, I'm a big fan. And I go, who put you up to this? Right. And uh, he's like, no, I'm I, like, I'm a huge hockey fan. He was just kind of starting out. Might've been like Oh seven or somewhere around there. And, um, and we just been friendly ever since we, his son is now into hockey and, you know, he sends me videos of his son and, uh, you know, it's probably like anything else. You guys know what we see on stage is, mm-hmm. is great. And that's what people see. It's like, oh, wow. Right. And then you, you take that off and you leave the dress room and you're just a completely different person. Um, and, and that's a, that's a rock solid dude. And do you still, do you still follow the game from Vegas? You know, I, I've been all the, all the gold Knights guys. Like I haven't watched hockey in since I retired really really? been moving back here. Yeah. You know, uh, patch ready and and flurry. I sold flurry in my old house when I moved here. Oh, that's cool. I moved from here. He moved here and I sold him my house. And so I've kind of kept in touch with those guys. And so there's like a a suburb of, of Vegas, you know, I guess like living on the South shore of Montreal or whatever. So no one ever goes there. They come in town and they go to Vegas and that's like, you know, they do all the Vegas things, a show or the nightclubs or the day, whatever it is. But like, 15 minutes away is, is a really, a really cool side of, uh, of this town. Um, Sheldon, you've been a delight. Do you have anything else you would like to, uh, to tell us, to share with us, to tell, tell the people before we go? No, I thank you guys for taking the time and, and talking to me. I appreciate it. I know we got a little off track there, but I guess it's part of my story and Breezer, thank you for the kind words. It's, it's great seeing you again. And, um, and I appreciate you getting me on the power play back in 2002. <laughs> now you well, know. Well you deserve. Now well I know. Deserve. Yeah. Got one more story to tell. You owe everything to Patrice Brisbois. That's yeah. right. That's right. That's <laughs> my next tattoo. Yeah. Sheldon, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, guys. I appreciate thank it. Thank you, Sheldon. Thank you.